The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events from somewhere in the desert between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Veritas, because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I think it's time to open the books on the question of government investigations of UFOs. Uh, we ought to do it really because it's right. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law. Be skeptical. Do be as skeptical as you want, but by all, don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of The Veritas Show, where we bring a disclosure, one guest at a time. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. First, as usual, I want to welcome and thank our new and existing Veritas members. You are keeping Veritas alive. Let me start by saying I had a terrific time at the C-SETI event in Rio Rico, Arizona, and I'm very thankful for having been invited, in addition to enjoying every day, every presentation, and every night under the stars, it was really a great experience to have met some of you Veritas members. I had a chance to have breakfast and dinner with some of you, and I look forward to meeting you in another event in the future. Hello to Mark, Tina, Brian, Anne, Troy, and many others I met from around the world. Now, let me summarize the experience for you. I arrived on Saturday afternoon and met with my friend Paula Harris, who gave me one of her books and some of her DVDs and wrote a very nice dedication on the book. Thank you, Paula. Incidentally, Paula and I did my very first Veritas video interview, which I will share with you soon. Later on the first day, we met Dr. Greer for an introduction to the conference. There were about 220 participants. 
Later that evening, I went to dinner with a Veritas member and then proceeded to the first night of making contact. A large number of people had green lasers that were pointed out to the sky. All of a sudden, sitting right across from me, was this lady who had such a powerful green laser that it looked like Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, but much longer. It had a wrench of 100 miles. That thing was just absolutely incredible. It made Dr. Greer's laser look like a flashlight. Her name is Dean, and I had to ask her where she bought it, and she has already provided the information. So thank you very much, Dean. I really enjoyed spending time with you. And I had a great time sitting so close to you watching that torch. Also, something else about Dean. A couple of hours after the night event started and we were meditating, something started buzzing under her chair. So I whispered, Dean, I think your cell phone is ringing. And she said, it's not my cell phone. It's a UFO detector. This lady, who reminded me of my own mother, had the most sophisticated equipment right in front of me. At any rate, I saw the great presentations from Dr. Lincoln Tyre from the Phoenix Lights, Dr. Ted Loader talking about free energy devices and updates on Project Orion. The second night had another making contact night. I honestly can't say I saw a UFO. I can tell you I saw a lot of what looked like shooting stars and a few questionable blinking ones. But it was so fast that I couldn't even grab my camera. It was really a great experience to be surrounded by so many like-minded people meditating and, and creating an atmosphere of intent, of positive intent. Then the next day, I had breakfast and dinner with a few Veritas members as well. I will post the pictures on the forum. That day, Dr. Greer handed a communication. That's the second day, by the way. Handed a communication intended for President Obama. He was supposed to do this on Sunday, but decided to do it before. If you follow Dr. Greer's work, you already know what I'm talking about. I've already included the links on our weekly newsletter, so you can see the original documentation that was sent to President Obama. Now, let me tell you about the third day, Monday. Colin Andrews and I were supposed to conduct a video interview after his presentation and before Dr. Greer's presentation, just in the middle, the intermission. However, Collins went into overtime because his presentation was loaded. It was revealing and very, very emotional. After his presentation was over, people flocked to him immediately for a book signing. Needless to say, there wasn't any time left for an interview. Nonetheless, I was able to capture a few minutes of video, which is now posted at the forum, where he said the following. The end, with some lessons learned, is really what this is all about. It's consciousness, respect, love, compassion, and the new paradigm is underway. Colin, what you said today was a new revelation. Even when you and I did our interview, you never revealed what you said today about what happened in your early childhood. What motivated you to say this today? I've been motivated um, by an inner sense, an inner fear, that if one is expecting others to reveal truths, those that are unpalatable perhaps, that we also have our own secrets, 
that are useful in the general public domain um, and that whilst in the past I have feared credibility problems, reactions of the engineered social scene that has been set for us you know, by the year, just the term UFO, uh, a lot of people uh, immediately you're filtered out of society. Uh, and I felt this was the time to lay it all on the line because I think the little piece that we often hold ourselves and that I did have now stated uh, not only makes me feel better but it's part of the new paradigm uh, to embrace it all. Uh, Stephen has done the same thing. Lynn here just yesterday revealed something that she had neither ever talked about before. So I think perhaps you might say that um, just like timing, this is the time. Uh, we, we have to be brave, I, I, all of us. This is a time, it's not to sit on the fence. Uh, it is a time to hold firm, to have true representation, step forward, and to help us with the knowledge that we need to uh, save our planet and save our species and uh, all other life forms on the planet. It's, it's a very, we've reached a very important, critical point, and we need the cooperation of all levels of uh, structure and institutions and government. Uh, this is no more time, no more lives, no more spin. It can't work. It, it simply cannot work in the new paradigm. So those are the, uh, that's where we're headed. So I felt that I, this was the time to state my truth. And in closing, your friends Pat, David, and Paul, thank you for what you're doing, everybody else. Thank you, Mel. I respect what you're doing and, and allowing us a decent, uncensored voice to the people. And uh, you are a very good example of the new generation of media that we need right out there, big time, international. And I thank you personally uh, for your work. Thank you, Colin. It was a pleasure meeting you finally. And we'll keep in touch. Thank you, Mel. Take care. Those were enlightening words, and I'm honored and flattered by his last remarks. Then, immediately after, and prior to Dr. Greer's interview, I talked to Dr. Greer to see if there had been any reaction regarding the communication he sent to President Obama. Again, the video is posted at the Manticore Forum, but here's the brief audio. Greer, can you give me a quick reaction on your expectations of the documentation that's going to President Obama? Well, I will tell you what the, uh, the G7 head of state and his team uh, conveyed to me after they got it, that it was fantastic and devastating. It's moving. There, or let's just put it this way. The world and the cosmos is moving, and it's going to move with or without the governments of the world. So they will rise and fall by how they react to that briefing. And by you taking this to the grassroots level, I think it's making the difference. Well, one wanted to be discreet, but uh, instead of, I gave Clinton six years or seven years before I came forward with that information about what I was doing. Nine months is, was long enough for Obama, because my feeling is that we're just uh, fresh out of time. Our planet uh, can't wait to another term or another. There's always an excuse in politics of why not to deal with something now and why not to... Look at that awesome picture. But anyway, that, I think that's the key thing, is to understand there's always a, a political excuse not to deal with it. But ultimately, it has to be dealt with because it's the right thing. We thank you for what you do. Thank you. So then I left. I could not stay and attend the third Making Contact night. 
I had a hunch that that night, the third night, was going to be the contact night. I arrived home later in the evening and received an email from Mark, one of our Veritas members, in which he described that night and said this, quote, Well, saw a few things tonight. A Golden Globe, a few flashes, stealth helicopters, surveillance aircraft, black ops into Dr. Greer's room. Not kidding. Dr. Greer draws the attention of somebody with aircraft and ground teams. I'm favorably impressed by Dr. Greer. He's drawing heat. Unquote. Throughout the next day, I started getting email from other Veritas members who said, quote-unquote, we made contact. I had to call Mark and get him on the record. So let me have Mark share it with you. Folks, I just want to let you know that I had to leave the CCD event a little bit early. In other words, I was able to get to the last conference. However, I was not able to participate in the evening events. So why don't I let uh, Mark, one of our Veritas members, tell you what transpired after I left. Hello, Mark. Hi, Mel. Uh, Thanks for asking. Um, After you left about 7.30, I went out on the deck of the facility we were at, uh, where we normally gather for 8 o'clock, and I noticed that there were at least four aircraft in the air in the immediate facility, or vicinity, rather. And the reason I noticed them is because I had seen over the last few days that we were there that there wasn't really any air traffic in that area. So it was uh, unusual, anomalous, in fact. And uh, here's what I saw. Uh, About 7.30, quarter to 8, I saw, I think, probably two fairly high-flying aircraft, probably interceptor jets, up above the 20,000-foot mark, so it's hard to say what they were. Uh, They were in a broad pattern. Uh, They hung around for a while, maybe half an hour, 45 minutes. could be a bit longer. We were all distracted by two other aircraft. One uh, which was flying uh, a pattern on station, a boat on the U.S.-Mexican border south of us, which had a light pattern on it that looked like an AWACS. And the uh, other aircraft that everybody was speculating about appeared in the east, and it was really only signified by a bright red navigation light that didn't strobe. And everybody was speculating that it was an unmanned uh, reconnaissance vehicle, but uh, that that uh, aircraft came in closer to um, to the the assembled crowd there, and we could t- I could tell right away that it was a rotor wing aircraft by the sound of the rotors. And so that helicopter uh, flew a pattern around us out about, oh, five, six, seven, ten miles in a circle back and forth. would go back, interact with the AWACS, come close to it, come back to see us. At least once that helicopter went off after about an hour and a half to refuel, reappeared about 20 minutes later, uh, continued the same pattern of flight, sometimes high, sometimes low. And about, oh, 10.30 p.m., uh, it came in, you could hear it coming in from the southeast, flew over the facility at no more than about a thousand feet, and uh, disappeared off towards the uh, northwest. Uh, sorry, everybody, I'm in the airport, so you're just hearing a call here. And it caused a lot of speculation about what was going on. Uh, so, yeah, that, that aircraft went over us at a fairly low altitude, disappeared off towards the uh, northwest, it looked like to me, and then I didn't see it again. I left the assembled group about oh, 11.15 or so because uh, I had to travel early the next morning, and that's I needed a bit of sleep. Uh, this caused uh, a bunch of speculation amongst the crowd. 
about what was going on there. Uh, Stephen Greer reported to us, as had been intimated early in the day by uh, Colin Andrews, that they had seen a very close and low helicopter while they were having lunch at the uh, resort. It came in fairly close and uh, pointed some sort of an electronic device or recording device at them. There was a helmeted guy in the door of that aircraft and the aircraft dispatched. Uh, they, people speculated it was the same one. About 10.30 p.m., quite interestingly, uh, Colin Andrews reappeared on the deck. I watched him go by me. There was a discussion up by the podium. And then uh, Colin Andrews and uh, Stephen Greer's security personnel, at least two or three of them, left uh, at a rapid pace in a purposeful way. Uh, Stephen Greer then reported to the crowd that uh, he had, uh, or that uh, Colin Andrews had spotted people with military bearing, perhaps under arms. That was mentioned, though I don't know whether or not it was verified, that were uh, hovering around uh, Stephen Greer's room, perhaps with the intent of entering. Uh, That wasn't verified, at least while I was there. Uh, And then shortly after that, there was an event in the back parking lot whereby it looked like uh, the sheriff had shown up and there was lights uh, going on a marked car and there was a certain kerfuffle going on down there. Um, there we go. They're just yelling at me. I can't even hide in the washroom from these guys. Yes, yeah, so hold on. Let, let them let them talk. Let them talk for. Okay, go ahead. I think they're done. Anyway, um, it was reported to us that uh, by Stephen Greer that there was a security breach, and that uh, his folks were off dealing with it, and that we shouldn't worry. Uh, the security personnel that were left on the deck kept us there so that we couldn't go off and have a look to see what was going on. I'm speculating that the appearance of the sheriff's car was perhaps in response to a call made by Stephen Greer's security team uh, about uh, in relation to these folks. Now, other things that were revealed to us in general discussion while this was all going on is that uh, people at the hotel had seen uh, low-flying aircraft in days previous to the conference, and that uh, this also led Stephen Greer to report to us uh, about his various... uh, experiences uh, with this kind of uh, harassment and, uh, you know, provocative behavior on behalf of uh, unnamed and unknown authorities. But the unnamed and unknown authorities certainly seem to be able to command uh, the most most modern ordinance available uh, in the U.S. So it was, uh, from that perspective, quite interesting for the assembled crowd, notwithstanding what we saw in terms of uh, uh, potentially extraterrestrial presence or vehicles, uh, one thing we can say for sure is whatever we were doing there at the C-SETI conference was certainly of interest to the powers that be to the point that they sent out a fair number of reconnaissance vehicles to uh, see what we were up to. And, of course, I left, as I said at the beginning of our conversation, I left... Uh, after the last conference, just because I had to return, and I could not attend the the, the last uh, making contact night, if you will. And in my mind, I thought, you know, what if these guys see something? And you told me that you saw a few things. Can you elaborate? Oh, yes. I think we, uh, I think I'd seen before, uh, on previous nights there near where I live, um, I saw Behind the cloud cover that was uh, coming up just at dusk, I uh, saw a blue light that sustained itself for a a couple of seconds at about the 5,000-foot elevation that was witnessed by everybody. I saw two golden 
globe type, globe boy type. Uh, only way to describe them is craft. That's the way the literature would look at them. I saw one towards the southeast and another one towards the northeast, uh, and uh, various other what they call flash bulbs, uh, blinkers that appeared through the course of the evening. So uh, there was some speculation about how many were in the area. The, the equipment that uh, the CSETI team had set up, all of was indicating everything from magnetometers to electric. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.